Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Hello. Oh, she uh, walk it like I talk it. Walk it. Walk it like I talk it. Walk it. Walk it like I talk it. Woo. Walk it like I talk it. You. Walk it like I talk it. Walk it. Walk it like I talk it. Walk it. Walk it like I talk it. Woo. Walk it like I talk it. Hey. Walk it like I talk it. Walk it like I talk it. Walk it like I talk it. Yes, you push play and you are in for a treat, a gift today. Listen, some of you going into this weekend, you had terrible dads, or maybe you had an absent dad, and uh, question back, do you really want peace and love? Do we really want what works? Because what you're about to hear is a case study of what really works and could solve a lot of the trouble that we're going through right now. So here you go. All right, welcome to Fry Dudes and a special Father's Day edition. We're going to talk about the importance of fathers. And uh, I have a special guest here today. I actually have my dad. So, Dad, welcome. Welcome to the Fry Dudes. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. I'm warning everybody. He's got a warped sense of humor. So if you ever wonder why I get strange, that's probably where I get it from. Um, Dad, I got a recent article here that I think is going to resonate with you and some of the guys big time. Because when I, when we, when I, we did some earlier sessions, I mean, we've been at this for years and, um, I kind of just, sometimes we make assumptions and assumptions can be dangerous. And that is everyone had a great dad. Uh, I know that sounds very naive, but when you, when you grow up in the, in the suburbs and uh, in our community, everything was pretty tight knit. I mean, everyone... I don't really know many divorces at all. And your friend group, there wasn't many divorces and all the dads were intact and engaged. And we kind of, we grew up in a buffer zone. I'll just call it that because that is not the real world at all. And um, I giving God thanks because this article came across from ESPN of all places. And it's called uh, WNBA legend Maya Moore, an extraordinary quest for justice. So you can find that if you Google ESPN, ESPN.com. And there's a lot there, and it talks about her request for justice. And Dad, you worked in corrections, you worked in mental health, so I know you have some stuff to share there as well, and your observations. Uh, uh, and there, well, depending how far we go there, but I know ultimately your love for the Heavenly Father. And here's here's where what more. Here's one quote, and then uh, we're going to open it up. It said, "quote It was more. It was wondering why why she." Um, she put her career on pause. She did have won uh, four WNBA championships. She's won two gold medals. I believe two national championships, some international championships as well. She was in her prime. She was at 29. She put it all on pause to help go for justice and those that she felt were falsely accused in our prison system. Uh, but here's the quote. Quote, it was Moore who was encouraged her mother for them to church, attend church every Sunday in Atlanta. And as my dad will attest, he dragged me to church every Sunday <laughs> growing up. I didn't want to go. But here's here's where I, some of you need, definitely need to hear this. Without a relationship with her biological father, Moore says she found her identity in God. And then, quote, it hit me so hard when I was in middle school that God is my father and he is my identity, Moore said on the Grove podcast in 2019. Quote, he is my security. He is what matters most about who I am. I have become such a believer in the beauty and the power and the need for fathers, especially godly fathers. 
And whatever our culture says, I'm convinced that the best way for kids to grow up is with their mom and their dad. Unquote. So thank you, Maya Moore, so much. May so many ears hear this across the world. And thank you, Denzel Washington, uh, a couple weeks ago, talking about the importance of fathers. So, Dad, I know you got a lot to say on the subject, and um, let me talk about the importance of an earthly father who's probably tuned into a heavenly father. You burned in my brain, this is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, correct? Is that how we should kick yeah, this thing absolutely. off? <laughs> so there's so much to, to talk about, Dad, and you, you let me know where, which direction you want to go. Um I think it is important for some of them to hear that you did not have the perfect earthly father. And maybe do you want to touch on what got you on the heavenly father part that also Maya Moore figured out in middle school? Okay. Well, first, let, let me introduce myself a little bit. I'm Tom's and Jeff and Julie's 77-year-old father. So I'm an old guy. But before you... Uh, you, you feel sorry for me that I'm 77. It's really kind of an exciting year for me. I was just 77. It's the only time in my life that my age and my IQ perfectly match. So <laughs> it, it's good. Anyway, uh, I, I became a father on uh, December 26, 1968. That's when Tom was born. So he's our firstborn. And uh, I tell you, I... We experimented a lot with him, so that the other two, I think, got the better deal there. So, anyway, but I have to tell you, I enjoyed every single minute of being a father. Well, not every minute, but most most minutes. There was a time, and Rick will remember this. Tom snookered Rick out of his BB gun. So, when I came home from work one day, I I don't know why I was at the house, but I that the that the floodlights by the garage were all broken. And then I walked around the house. Every single floodlight on the house was broken. And so I walked in the house, and I asked Tom whether he knew anything about it. And he said that he had shot him out with a BB gun. And uh, so I asked him why he did that. And his answer was so profound. They were there. They are so that was one moment. That was one moment I probably didn't enjoy. But yeah. Anyway, yeah. most of the time I really enjoyed uh, being a father tremendously. In fact, I was committed to being a, the best father I could because of my own father. Yeah. Uh, let me let me give you a little background here because some of you might be able to relate. Yeah. My father was not a Christian man. My father was a very angry man. In fact, he uh, became very violent, especially when he had been drinking. Uh, he was an alcoholic, and uh, he quit drinking for many, many years and did not relapse. But during that time of my early uh, upbringing, um, I loved my dad, and I, I, I felt that he loved me, but he never said so. Yeah. I mean... Many men in that era just didn't show that kind of emotion. And and uh, I really kind of found out why when I, I read some of the books and so forth that his parents had that I inherited that children are to be seen and not heard kind of thing. Yeah. And you don't you don't hug your kids. Actually, the one book that, that his parents had actually said that, you, know, you don't hug your kids. 
Well, wow. I became a soldier because yeah, of that. Did. So anyway, <laughs> um, my father was violent at times, and mm. and uh, when we lived on the east side of St. Paul, uh, the four boys, the four, I had three brothers, all all were in the same uh, bedroom. So when my parents started arguing, I just knew that my mother would enter the bedroom because that's where she felt safest mm. with the the four boys. And one night they got into an argument and entered the bedroom and and I got I was seven years old I remember I got got between my my dad and my mother got <laughs> a protector and uh, um, if I become a little emotional about this it's because it's such a vivid memory yeah. but I made a promise with with God that night that I would be different than that. Be a different father than that, and I, I believe I kept that promise. So uh, I learned a lot uh, negatively. You know, I had a negative uh, model, but I found a positive model in a Sunday school teacher and a, a scout leader that I had, who who was that model, that positive adult in my life, and so that made all the difference in the world. But even though my dad was violent and angry, I, I felt love for him. I'll give you a little example of what how strange I, I interpreted that. When we lived in Burdalian, Minnesota, I was in kindergarten, and uh, my dad would take me to the local bar at noon. He would, of course, have a drink, and I would, he would sit me up on the stool, and I'd have a, uh, a pop and a... Scrambled egg sandwich on toast. I remember that very well. I felt loved because my dad would take me to the bar with him. He wouldn't take any of the other kids. So that's how strange, you know, you interpret that I felt loved. One time I asked my brother Paul whether he felt loved, and he said he never felt loved by my parents. Mm. And I always felt loved by my parents and how different that perception made. So, um, so when I became a father, let, let me tell you, uh, I I actually had a, a recipe for being the best father that I could be a father. Let me explain it. Number one was to have that relationship with the Heavenly Father, yeah. which which I discovered when I was about 12 years old. Uh, and I remember when Claudia and I got married and met with the, the pastor in pre-counseling, he kind of drew this triangle and put got at the top of that triangle and John and Claudia at the other corners and explained how that order worked. And that's been my my kind of vision all through these years. So number one, that relationship with the Heavenly Father was was the basis for everything that followed. And then of course I married an incredible woman, yeah. you know. And together, uh, we determined to be a team. I mean, that because Claudia grew up with a, a father that was flawed as well. Mm. We're all flawed. Yeah. Both our fathers were more flawed than normal. And we decided that we were going to raise kids so differently than that. Play with our kids. Love our kids. Discipline our kids. Yeah. Teach our kids. And so... The second part of that recipe is marrying a good woman, and I did that. 
It'll be 54 years this coming November. 54 years of marriage, having, guys. Having children, having children was, has been a joy for us. And, of course, our, our decision was to love them unconditionally, even when they shot off the lights on the house <laughs> or, or put gum in someone's hair. I mean, Jeff was a, a challenge to me one time. A large father, about 250 pounds, showed up at the front door, oh. and he was ready to kill Jeff because Jeff had put gum in his son's hair, so I had to protect Jeff from being killed at eight years old or whatever he was at the time. So oh. choosing to be that loving, unconditionally loving parent. Uh, then I have to admit that God's grace has been stamped on my life from the the very beginning, uh, without it, I don't know what I would do. So, grace, grace, grace. Mm. I've been writing a uh, life story to leave for my kids, and I think that's the major major theme is that grace. Mm. Uh, another ingredient is that wisdom. Uh, the scripture says that we should pray for wisdom. In fact, in James 1.5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, thank God for it, and he will give it liberally without reproach, and it will be given to you. So it's not a if it will be given to you, it is given to you. So almost every day I, I pray for that wisdom. As a parent, I pray for that wisdom. Because without it, you know, you kind of go on it. The seat of your pants. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and that that forgiveness part. Tom uh, reminds everybody often that we're all flawed, and that's so true. That forgiving one another, whether it's our kids, or ourselves, or our parents, or whatever, is so important. Mm. Um, but choosing to be different, uh, different, you know, at seven years old. I think about that often when I reflect on my life, that a seven-year-old choosing to be different than his dad. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that was a gift from God for, you know, too. Then, of course, uh, I think there's really a, uh, a God's command for fathers that I took very seriously in that uh, um is found in the scripture as well that we should we should uh, love our children, we should train our children, and we should discipline our children. It's found in Ephesians six four. And um, the, the problem is, and I've seen this in the prison system when I worked with guys, yeah. they may have felt loved, they maybe even got some training, but they didn't get any discipline. And so they ended up being undisciplined people. What I saw in the prison, to be honest with you, were the extremes. The, the, the guys that, uh, whose parents were very strict, mm. and they rebelled, or those, those parents that were very permissive, and the kids grew up to be totally irresponsible. So there's got to be some middle ground, I, I thought all along, is that if you love your children and you train your children and you discipline them, uh, appropriately and not harshly that uh, 
the chances are, you know, that I think Proverbs says that if you bring up your 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 children in the way they should go, when they're old, they will not depart from it. I think it's a, a law of probability because we all have uh, free will and kids can choose to be different and go their own ways. Yeah. But we've been very, very fortunate because of that emphasis on being the best parents that we knew how to do uh, and having God, of course, at the head of that triangle. It made all the difference in the world. So, uh, what questions do you have for me, Tom? <laughs> that was awesome. Well, you answered a bunch already for me, but I, well, I know these guys are probably... Some of them are chomping at the bit or have something to say. Let me just say, listening to, I, I give so much thanks, one for you and everything you've done for us. And you can't see it right now, but man, through that last 10 minutes, man, tears streaming down my face and laughter and just, um, yeah, dad, this is what these guys are striving for. And the ones listening for the ones that are blessed with kids is they just, they, they do want to do what's best, and they are striving for the Heavenly Father on top of it and finding the balance. In fact, um, Casey's one of my go-tos, but I just he and I were just talking again yesterday. Casey's probably helped set you free a little bit, right? Uh, what you're striving for is you were sharing some of your struggles with Uzi. and <laughs> Uzi. By the way, Dad, Uzi put all his clothes in the toilet then decided to poop on top of it, if I have that correctly. So, <laughs> yeah, that was... That was like two days ago. He decided to do that. We have a four-year-old who is who is testing boundaries, and part of part of what Tom's talking about is I've had to apologize. I had to apologize to him just yesterday. Um, so I I have a garden, and before the sun comes up, I try and get out and water it. So because it's been so warm out. And the day before, my son and I had a water fight with these, these like water shooters that look like large crayons. And he followed me out and I told him, don't, don't squirt anyone or anything. And I told him that a few times. And as soon as I turn around, he just soaks me. And um, I have to, I have to work. Like I had to work all day in damp clothes because I didn't have time to change and and so I, without thinking, I, I grabbed it. And the first thought that came to my mind was this this image of of I I couldn't even tell you what movie it was, but the dad snapped the toy over his knee. And so I did that. I broke his toy right in front of him. And when I came back inside, my wife was like. He, he squirted you, and so you broke his toy. And it wasn't until that moment that I realized, like, what was I thinking? And I realized that I had never been shown by someone how to discipline, because my dad was never in the home, and my mom was very permissive, as you said. And so I never had someone teach me how to discipline a child, and that just seemed acceptable to me, was mm -hmm. to break his toy. And and so, yeah, I, I greatly appreciate what you said, John. Well, Dad, by the way, for the record, I never saw that gun again. He didn't break it in front of me. 
But dad, you, exactly you, what but there is a theme here though. You said discipline though. So Casey, there had to be some form of discipline and we could try to break that down of what would have been the appropriate way to respond. So maybe you do want to say dad what that is, but no, you did discipline me. Like I was grounded. I'd never saw that gun again. In fact, I've never owned a gun since, which is so ironic, <laughs> but I don't know, dad, if you got a reaction on that, otherwise we definitely got some more questions for you, but thank you Casey for being real. Can I respond to that? Please. We practice a lot of uh, national and logical consequence kind of thing. And taking away that BB gun, not breaking it, uh, but taking it away because you, you had done some damage with it. And I, I really want to thank you. A number of years ago, you gave me for Father's Day a oh. package full of uh, <laughs> floodlights. So I finally got those in place. But anyway, uh, it's really important to connect the, the – uh, discipline with with what they did you know uh, uh tom you you and jeff were playing hockey in in the in the driveway and i told you to be very very careful yeah. if you oh, play oh, there that's right. you know yeah. because there's glass windows on the yes on the garage the door. well i came home one day and of course one of those windows was broken so did it make any sense for me to get all upset and angry and break the garage door of course not so what we did, you, uh, I don't know if you remember this, yep. you and Jeff got your teddy banks. We did. Got your money and we went up to the, the hardware store, got the glass, we put it in together. Yep. So not only did we pay the price for that glass, and you never broke those glass, those windows again. Yeah, I think we had so to pay a little more. We got plexiglass. Uh, I don't know if you remember this either, Tom, that. One day you had a candy bar that I know we went to the store and I, we didn't buy you a candy bar. Oh, God, that's right. You, you took it from the store. So you and I, we went up to that store in yeah. Wayne's IGA in yeah. Wyoming, Minnesota, yeah. and you had to return that candy bar and apologize to uh, Wayne, the, the owner of the store. Yeah. And I don't think you ever sold a candy bar again. No. I didn't, and this is so important for all you guys to hear, whether you got young or old, and um, I didn't, I didn't, and guys, Casey, that's what we were talking about, right, yesterday, like, but you do, parenting is work, I mean, if you really, <laughs> disciplining, but the the life lessons that come along with it, in fact, Dad, t speaking of candy bar wrappers, you had an old Mustang we used to take to uh, car shows, beautiful, beautiful 64 and a half white convertible, if I, if, if I had that correct. And yep. I think, again, this is how you remember stuff as a kid and what Uzi's going to remember and all you guys that have kids. Um, I was a Snickers wrapper, and I just threw it. We had a convertible. I just threw it. It went up in the air and onto the road, and you hit the brakes. <laughs> and you backed up, and I had to go and pick that wrapper up. I, I cannot stand litter anymore. I, in fact, when I see someone even throw a cigarette butt out the window, it drives me crazy. But that's it was the life lesson right there. You had to take the time. You had to pause inconvenience, not go to the car shows right away at least, and uh, put it in reverse. And parenting is work, right, Dad? I mean, it, <laughs> and I think a mistake a lot of parents are making today, I don't want to get too preachy, but Dad, curious to get your take. We want to be, a lot, a lot of these parents just want to be their buddies and friends, and it's not doing yeah. them a whole lot of good. Absolutely. You are the parent. <laughs> I mean, all children need boundaries. We know that. Yeah. And, and children without boundaries end up in trouble in life. So 
Well, I mean, our, uh, our goal is always to bring our kids up to be responsible, independent people, not dependent on us, not uh, irresponsible. And that has happened very well. Yeah. Dad, um, a few different directions to go. And if these guys got questions, feel free to chime in or ping me on the chat to let me know you're in the queue. Um, 54 years of marriage. Um, if you heard Maya Moore's words, by the way, easier said than done, because you know the destruction of, of divorce and just uh, um, single parent households, how hard that can be. 54, what what advice? And by the way, Brian, Brian's one of the fry dudes. He and his wife are celebrating 39 yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. And they're going to be coming up on interview. But dad, what? Yeah, you talked about that order again. That's probably your primary advice. But any, any other advice for these guys that are trying to make their marriages oh. work? Absolutely. Anytime that I I feel angry at Claudia or uh, I'm distracted in some kind of way, I always re, re, repeat one of my favorite verses, and that's Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Huh. There's no other relationship that the scripture talks about in that kind of a way. I mean, you love your wife in that form, you know, the next thing you you know that you need to talk to her, you need to forgive her, or you, you need to ask for forgiveness. And uh, that's quite a command. Huh. Is it ever? Yeah. I, Go ahead, Bold. I totally agree, John. I mean, uh, you know, if you don't mind, I'll call, I'll call you dad. But... Uh, <laughs> You know, I had a, I had a father just like yours, except he wasn't an alcoholic. He was, uh, a strict disciplinarian, um, got spanked severely. Uh, he wasn't a, he, you know, his generation also, they didn't hug. And, uh, one of the things I told myself is that at a very early age is that when I have kids, they're going to be hugged every single day. And when my son started school, I said, you're getting a hug before you go to school every morning. Uh-huh. And uh, every time I see you around your friends, that's what love is. And, and uh, because my dad never did hug me. He wasn't around a lot because of work. And, and uh, back then, you were kind of afraid of your father. And I, too, got in, in between my mom and dad with one of their major arguments that they had periodically. And, and, uh, so I can relate with a lot with what you're saying. And, and, uh, I didn't come to Christ until a little bit later in life, but he was always there in the back of my mind. And so, um, loving your kids is one of the most easiest, compassionate things that you can do. Yeah as well as giving them the tools that you know they're going to need when they get older in life. And now he has three kids, and I can see those things that I did that he's doing, which is really fun to see because that's the only way that you know you've you've done something well in raising your child. And we only have one. But to see that carry over, is 
really a godly blessing, the fact that, you know, God put that on my heart to make the change from what I had. And you did the yeah. same thing there. You did the yeah. exact same thing. And um, so I wanted to, yeah, and I wanted to break that cycle because that's how yeah. he was raised. And there was no way I was going to do that same thing. Um, and I remember being afraid until, you know, back then it was wait until your dad gets home. You know, it's like, holy crap. I didn't want to wait. So, so I stayed outside (laughs) playing, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 62. So, you know, I can relate a lot to that generation on how they were raised. And, uh, so thank you so much for sharing that. I, I, uh, that's a blessing. That is truly a blessing. Thank you. Can I can I say something? Here? Please, Casey. Uh, so, I, I obviously don't have the experience that you guys have, um, but one thing that's always kind of a question that I've always had is, um, as you read through Ephesians, it says, "Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but instead discipline them and instruct them when it comes to the Lord." and one thing that stuck out to me when I was doing some research on discipline is you, you see these two types of fathers where there's this abusive discipline and then there's this godly discipline, this instruction. And so I was looking into the definition of discipline and here's the, here's the top two definitions. The first is to punish or penalize for the sake of enforcing obedience and then the second one is to train and develop by instruction to build in self-control. And so I think that so many, it seems like so many people either go one way or the other, where it's like, mm. oh, either I have to beat down my child so that they can obey me. And it's like more, you're a dictator. But in reality, I think God's saying, no, you you're supposed to train and develop and instruct your children so that they can learn to have their own self-control so when your back's turned they'll have character rather than just living out of fear amen Hmm. yep that's beautiful by the way dad i I should done perfect casey and bold thank you and anyone else this is your moment we'll do uh we're getting to the one minute challenge uh zone but Dad, I should have better introduced you too. I, uh, for those that don't know, when I say you worked in corrections, you definitely worked in corrections. But your degree is in psychology, uh, with a mass and um, masters as well, masters level, and so a lot of counseling. You used to do quite a bit of marriage and family therapy earlier, and then uh, quite a bit in right. corrections. So we're talking. This guy's versed. I don't know, Dad. You many decades, decades of uh, mental health. And the importance of that, and then of course blending that with faith. Um, well, w- w- when you could, I know there's restrictions at work, um, but how important that balance is. And uh, as Casey's, we'll segue it in. I heard you already say Amen, but I don't. Know, any reaction to all that? Well, I am ex- experienced. I finished 50 years of in my career before I retired. And uh, what I loved the most, I was a director of many programs, whatever, but what I loved the most was was doing the therapy with individual people or families or, or couples. And uh, that's what really bring, brought me joy. 
And uh, in the prison, I, I love working in the corrections. I loved working. I worked in four different correctional facilities, two earlier in my my career and two later in my career. Red Wing was my favorite, working with these young guys before. And some of them were parents, by the way, huh. unmarried parents, their fathers. But working with them and, and trying to teach them what I, I knew and share with them. But it was really interesting because when you work in the government uh, system, you have to be uh, somewhat cautious on yeah. what you say and what you do. Right. But I, I always felt uh, freedom... And I would pray about it every day when I'd go to work and have an opportunity to share. And what I, I, I was protected in so many ways by, by Jesus himself being with me because uh, almost always when those young guys would ask me, well, what do you believe? Uh. What do you, why are you different? And then I felt free to not tell them. Tell them. So, uh, uh, it, there's so many lost people in this world. Mm. They have no idea of what to do with their life or what what the purpose of their life is. And uh, I was I was just blessed with being able to do what I did because so often they would ask me after we built a relationship and they trusted me. Uh, and then I felt, you know, the, the scriptures says always have an answer. Yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, it was an absolute privilege, and I and I can I can see my retirement knowing that I did something. I made a difference. Yeah, you sure did. Well, tears are streaming back down again, Dad. I. Uh, and that's what these guys are striving for. I mean, that's what Fry Dudes, we do have a mission statement. We seek truth, what works and what doesn't in life to become better servant leaders, disciples, husbands, and fathers in that order. And that, Dad, yeah, you're living and breathing it. I have, I have so many, you know me and my cliches, but my other one is it's really easy to debate God, um, especially when your heart is hard, but it's really really, really hard to argue results. And you have a career of results. And um, I, I know these guys, these guys are tuned in. I know they feel your wisdom and talking about being tuned in. You're obviously versed and then did your best to, to, to work on that. And then the order, as you talked about, um, you taught me that very young when I begged to go on that date night with you, right? If you remember that one too, that that's how I learned about the triangle. Like, Dad, I want to go with you. Why, why can't I go with you? Like, son, I love you too much to have you go with me. I'm like, what are you talking about, old man? And he go, oh, and plus there's money too. You know, well, there's a ton of checks in the checkbook. I saw that. Uh, date myself here a little bit, but and you're like, no, son, I love your mom, and. Uh, I love God first, and if I love God first, then I can be the best husband I can be to your mom. And when your mom and I are on the same page and on a team, then we can be a better parents for you. And that was the order that you taught me. So thank you. And now these guys get to learn from it as well, Dad. And may this spread, because we talk about social justice and how can we solve this? And I'm like, oh, it's so deep. And we don't have enough time, Dad. I know maybe this is where we continue in another session. But man, if more people got this, we would have a lot 
lot less trouble in this world. Hey, hey, Tom. Yeah. You know, that, that has been the question that's been in my mind this entire, this entire dude sesh. Uh, Mr. Penton, you know, you, you're successful career-wise, right? Great education. You're successful. And I think all of us dudes, you know, and especially in this worldly sense, we strive to be successful. We even have some, some groups, side groups that are working on how to optimize yourself. Um, also, you raised successful boys as fathers, right? And I think that's the goal of all of us parents, to raise our kids, to be good parents, good people. Um, and you have a good Christian balance, good head on your shoulders, good kind of evangelical passion. Um, so you got your own personal stripes, you got your own family stripes, you know, all of us will be working at home and our kids will come and say, daddy, play with me. Mm. And you feel guilty saying, I, I need to do this. And, and then maybe it's nine o'clock at night and all the kids are in bed and you look across the you know living room at your wife who you barely said hi to all day. And you feel like you've, you, you missed that number one connection there, right? I missed the moment today. Because there are so many things that feel like have-tos, right? So many things that feel like they should take precedence in our lives. You know, our, our children and instilling and, and spending time with them and our, and our wives, putting them in the right place, in right order in our lives. And then being striving to be successful career-wise. Um, but you seem to, or my perception is, Mr. Penn, that, that you, you did it. What... What, what what was the, what were the key elements that helped you keep it in order? Mm. Thank you, Rod. Wow. Well, first of all, I'm I'm flawed like everybody else is. You know, I have my strengths and I have my weaknesses, but um, I think a lot of it has to do with how you start your day. Yeah, uh, I've always said that I I have a cup of coffee with God. That's how I start my day. Always a cup of coffee with God. So I really believe that when you start out the day getting into God's Word and, and praying and committing your whole day to Him, um, your, your goal isn't to be successful. Uh, your goal is to make a difference. A difference to be a, a person of integrity. And uh, I mean, there's that, there's those are the, the poles of life, you know, the, how to spend our time, but it's always a choice. We could, we can work 14 hours a day if that's our choice. But I, I always try to, you know, work my eight hours and go home and uh, do what was most important to be the best husband and father I could think of being and and uh so you have to set your own boundaries i i never took a job um for the money money was never a driving force for me mm. it was always the the purpose in that job uh, and uh, i think success comes from i mean that's how i measured success did i make a difference did i did i do what God wanted me to do. Uh, those are, so it's what your goals are and uh, what your objective is every day. And uh, uh, that's a, what drove me every day. 
Wow. Thank you, Dad. Rod, great question and uh, to be continued. And um, let me just, again, speak from experience. As a kid, we talked about we were getting up early for cartoons. My dad, he is an early bird. Um, and absolutely, unequivocally, my brother and sister could back me up on this. When we got up early enough and as we went down the stairs, I just vision, I see right now, Dad, you, he, he's the real deal on this one. Yes, he's flawed. I am flawed. But man, that guy, usually, Dad, I saw you reading your Bible. That uh, That is a gift that not many kids get to say. They get to see what their dad's doing in the morning. You talk about that cup of coffee with God. That is legit. You can tell, too, the way he quoted here. You can tell any listeners, like, okay, this guy's definitely tuned in or he's versed on it. But that's what it is, Dad, right? I mean, I, I definitely remember you waking up and seeing you. And, of course, this is the day that the Lord hath made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. <laughs> if we didn't weren't up to see you doing that, that's usually what you woke us up with, was that actual saying. Yeah, you know, children uh, pay attention to what they see. Oh, do we ever. But, you know, what you tell them, you know. Uh, and I think, think that, I mean, I, I really believe in the, social learning theory, I mean, you look at people around you and you model yourself as people you really respect and uh, uh, to see that are, are people of integrity that tell the truth and, and live a life that you, you would like to model after. There's, there's a lot of parents that say the right things, but they don't do the right things. Mm. So they, they talk about love, but they don't show a lot of love. Or they talk about uh, forgiveness, but you don't see them even asking for forgiveness. Tom, you taught me something really great. Really? Actually, uh, I had accused you of doing something. I, I think you're about somewhere near eight years old. I had accused you of taking the cookies out of the cookie jar because I went to have one and there was none in there. So I sent you to your room to think about it. And I found out shortly thereafter that it wasn't, wasn't you at all. So I, I had to humbly go in and ask for forgiveness from you. Oh. And you told me, Tom, yeah. everybody makes mistakes. Dad, I forgive you. <laughs> you, you oh, tears again. Yeah. Uh, these guys, Dad, thank you so much. These guys are going to learn from it. Casey, did we not just talk about this yesterday? Yeah. What you model for your kids and how they'll model back? Yeah, so... To end the story of me breaking the squirt gun, um, at supper time, after I got done with work, came downstairs, and what was echoing through my mind was, Casey, boys do what feels good, but men do what is right, and you didn't, you did what felt good in the moment you were being a boy, now I want you to go be a man and do the next right thing. And the next right thing is to go and apologize to your little boy. Mm, and so yeah. I did. And from that, he got to see what it looks like, how you apologize when you do something wrong. And even adults, I feel like not enough adults have been taught that, which is why we're in the circumstance that we're in right now with all the chaos that's going on in our country. No mm. one knows how to apologize. Mm. Ooh. That's deep, uh, and no doubt. I, um, you know, thank you, Casey, and thank you, Dad. And uh, this is a firm pull I got right now: is fathers that are listening right now, 
some of you do owe your kid an apology. And listen to my dad, and then listen to Casey and anyone else I want to speak up here as we're going to wrap this. But um, your kids will learn from that, and then they're going to model it back. Um, mercy and grace and love and forgiveness, it is biblical for those that are buying into that. And it works. Oh, man, does it work. And it's a beautiful thing for families. So some of you fathers got some apologies to do with your kids versus being put on a pedestal this weekend. Um, some of you need to be like Jesus, down washing feet and looking up and um, apologizing. And Dad, you modeled that. And that's I modeled back, and now I got to see it with my own kids as I've had to apologize to them many times uh, where I went wrong. And uh, I get to see it modeled back in them as well. So thank you for that gift. All right, guys, We I knew we were going to go into overtime. And Dad, again, you're welcome back anytime. It is such a gift to hear you, and thank you guys for being able to tune in. I know you've been gifted probably to hear this as well. And, um, uh, Dad, any final thoughts? And then, or just any quick questions, get them in right now. Otherwise, Dad, any final thoughts? Well, first of all, I just want to thank you for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, I wish I would have done this a long time ago, actually. But I'm glad we got yeah, it now. Yeah. Get a cup of coffee with God every day. Yes, right on. There you go, Rod. I know you're an early bird as well. Hey, Dad, you know, I'm getting the poll. Would you mind, uh, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. Would you mind just closing us in prayer? Sometimes we do that on these recording sessions, and for those that are able to bow their heads, and it doesn't have to be long and drawn out, just whatever, maybe just uh, wrap it. Would you mind? Well, my prayer will be very brief, but to the point. Okay. Dear Lord, thank you for the privilege of being fathers, the privilege of you being our father and teaching us every day on how to be more like you. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Dad, and thanks all for joining. Please share this with the fathers that need this encouragement. Man, so good. Thank you, Dad, and thank you, Heavenly Father. Skeptic, how many societal problems could we solve with more men like that? This is the order. We have the blueprint, yet as humans, we love to do it our way and my way. Truth, God's way works. Truth, Jesus' ways works. Of course, if you're properly tuned in. Getting the pull to some of you that didn't have a dad or maybe you weren't a great dad. If you didn't have a great dad, like Maya, or Bold, or like my dad, may you realize, like them, your ultimate father is up there, the Heavenly Father. Tune in like they did, and feel the love that they also felt like never before. Take my dad's suggestion and start in Ephesians. And with those with kids, or maybe they're older kids now, um, yeah, listen, if you, if you tune in, and if you're still breathing, you can still make a difference. Apologize and own to the ones you've hurt. Serve them and their kids if you can. And bonus challenge, it's been a theme that's been building the last few weeks. Pick a community nearest to you that you know has been hardest hit via COVID and or racial tensions. Google for the churches in that region and pick one and tell them you would like to step up and 
Mentor a youth in need. Super bonus. Will you share this with every dad you know? Could you imagine this world if we had more Denzels and Johns and Mayas in this world? Share what works. Before we end on a song note, one more share request. Could you share this episode with anyone that hasn't had a great dad? A reason for hope and encouragement. Listen to the words from Maya Moore or John Penton. You have a flawed earthly father, but you have a heavenly father that loves you more than you may ever realize. Now to the song. I have to go here. Can you imagine being a child awoken with the saying and that kind of mindset? This is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. What a great way to start off the day, no matter how bright or challenging that day might be. The song, of course, is called This Is The Day, a soulful, beautiful version by Brian Courtney Wilson. If you dig, please give Brian some love and subscribe to his music. If you believe, share. Share that verse with your kids daily. Now go, love, love your true Heavenly Father. If you have kids, love your kids' mom. Model that for your kids. It is one of the greatest gifts you can give them. Legacy. Celebration. These songs up top were meant to be easy so we could sing them together. Psalms 118 says, this is a day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Do you have joy? Let me hear you. Whatever happens, I will give you praise. You brought me out of darkness, and you're with me all the way. Hey, this is a day, a brand new day. Hey, hey, this is a day that the Lord has made. Y'all got it? Come on, clap your hands like this. Sing. This is a day that the Lord, that the Lord has made. Whatever happens, whatever happens.